here we are again, another humbling episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I'm Chad Belding. I'm again joined by one of the best songwriters of all time, in my opinion, Mr. Chris Knight from the state of Kentucky. We talk about outdoors. We talk about his new bird dog performing well on his last hunt. And of course, we talk about songwriting and lyrics, inspiration, influences, and just his perspective. He lives a simple life. I mean, truly simple, but he has written words that have influenced or brought people to their knees or made somebody cry or made them smile. But for sure, he's written lyrics that have made us all think he can tell a story in three minutes like no other. And I know that I talk about Brent Cobb a lot and Leith Lofton and Adam Hood and Drake White and all of these guys have been influenced by Mr. Chris Knight. He, uh, he is a magician, a wizard, and a true genius of Americana, folk, country, country rock lyrics. Very unapologetic and very real. And to hear him on this podcast just gives me goosebumps, like just brings a huge smile to my face. I hope you all enjoy it. Mr. Chris Knight brought to you by the one and only Jack Daniels. Hope y'all enjoy it. Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? All right. I just uh, I appreciate you coming back on. I wanted to start part. Uh, I wanted to start part two of this. We talked about uh, your career a little bit last time. The bird dogs got into a little bit about the hunting and living off the land. You had any success yet this year? You been out at all? Um, I went to. Uh, up into the UP grouse hunting for about, uh, I guess, 105 days up there. Uh, had a real good time. And uh, the boy I know went up there and hunted. Hunted with a couple guys from uh, eastern Kentucky who, you know, I've been grouse hunting, grew up grouse hunting. We went up there and pretty thick cover up there, but we did we did good. I was real happy. I took one of those pups with me. And she she uh turned her it turned her into a bird dog. You know, she was always, you know, real strong on pointing and and getting out and hunting and she did good. She found her own birds, she backed. She's pointed her own birds, found dead birds. She's not real big on retrieving yet, but maybe they'll come. And what kind of grouse were they in the UP? It's rough grouse. Rough grouse. <clears throat> yeah. They good eating. And then there's some woodcock. There's a good bit of woodcock up there, too. Do you, uh, do you ever get after waterfowl, or do you enjoy waterfowl like you do upland hunting on the as far as wing shooting goes? Oh, uh, I never really duck hunted. I mean, I knew a couple of guys from high school that used to duck hunt, but I never was really interested in going. But my, my son, he's a big duck hunter. He, uh, yeah, I mean, he'll go out 15 degrees and stand in that waist-deep water in a pair of waiters. That ain't for me. Did, did, you know, did you give him one of the duck calls I sent you? Yeah, I gave him both of them. 
Did he like him? He's, oh yeah, he said they're good calls. He's a. Uh, I don't know this if this was before or after, but uh, him and a couple of his buddies went out and killed killed a limit in uh, teal and got one wood duck one morning. Do, do you uh, like to eat the ducks? Yeah, we eat them. We we eat the ducks, the legs, the Canada geese, the legs. Yeah, I mean, I've I fixed goose breast uh, where I thought it was really good, and I was really surprised. Cooked it on the grill. I sliced it real thin, you know, and uh, I might even took a threw a meat mallet to it and uh, grilled it on, uh, you know, oak and hickory or something, you know, just uh, kind of seared that outside, left a little red on the inside, you know, got yeah. a little char on the outside, you know, basted it with oil, you know, because it's going to be dry. Just keep plenty of oil, uh, olive oil on there. Why are you cooking it? <clears throat> it was, it was uh, I'd almost say it was excellent. Sounds awesome. Do you consider yourself a connoisseur, Chris, of, of, of cooking and culinary arts? And like, you know, does that, the way you write songs, the way you tell stories, the, do you take that kind of same approach into the presentation of cooking do you put a lot of passion into it when you know that you're gonna like take this can of the goose breast or these woodcocks do you visualize it and like plan it out like hey i, I know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have these vegetables i'm gonna have these spices these rubs this olive oil do you do you kind of you take it real serious with a lot of passion yeah but i try to be as simple as i can because i mean i don't i don't want to say that you know how many great cook or anything because I don't want that responsibility but I know my son eats it and I cook chili for my family about every Christmas and and there ain't none left by the end of the night so and they're most of them you know uh, the even the wives eat it you know and the kids you know who aren't big on uh, wild game eating wild game but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoy doing it at certain times, you know, and it's, I take, I try to take it pretty serious, but like I said, I hate trying to find a recipe and it's got a, a list of ingredients as long as you are, I'm like, I ain't fooling with that. I put it in the frying pan with some olive oil or lard and <laughs> just cook it you know when you say lard do you do you render any of your no. goose fat or anything down no no i haven't done that i might would try it it, it kind of sounds interesting i i tried to make some uh broth out of deer bones and uh i think i might have got the wrong bones they might have i don't know they just something something about it didn't sit well with my stomach but uh you know i made it i know how to make it i'm probably i've got some bones in the freezer right now i'm gonna try to make some beef broth i mean some deer broth 
when you start talking broths, do you, with all of your travels, do you enjoy um, different foods from different places in the in the world? Uh, I'm going into Asian food. Do you like when you that broth? Would you consider making like a Vietnamese soup? They call pho or pho with it because I've done that with deer and, and different bones of, of of you know rendering them down or boiling them down and getting the broth going and then using it for the base of the pho broth. Do you try different uh, you know Asian recipes and stuff like that ever? No, not really. I don't get real fancy with it. I like to, I mean, the deer, you know, as I, the, my son shot a doe with his bow, gun season's not in. And uh, he shot a doe a couple weeks ago. And uh, as I was butchering the deer, I just I had a cast iron skillet sitting there and, and, uh, with some olive oil in it, and I'd take some of the trimmings off and just set, just cook it. It was as good as a tenderloin steak cooked on the grill to me, you know. Just the trimmings off the bones or off the, you know, certain parts of the, certain parts of the meat that you want to usually want to take and make hamburger out of grind. You know, I just, I just package them up as stew meat and i just cook them right there yeah i think uh i've done both the taking the goose fat i use speckle belly geese or they call them white front they're really prevalent yeah they're, they're, yeah i've heard they're well we've actually had some my, my son shot some and uh they're, they're really good they're my i think i tell i tell people they're the best all-around wild game meat there is or it could be yeah I like it's been it. a couple of years since we had any, but it was good. I do remember that. It was, it was the best we had. And then I had to figure, you know, I had to do a little working on, you know, a little figuring on the uh, Canada goose, you know. But yeah, we ain't we ain't throwing it away. I mean, I've cooked goose legs and pies in the uh, crock pot with apples and vinegar, and uh, you know onions and celery and all that turned out you know turned out as good as a pot roast yeah you know they have a um a totally different diet but i've had some really good can of geese the best the the, the best that i like <clears throat> to cook is slow cooking it in a foil tin on a traeger or some kind of wood grill wood pellet grill with a real slow cook and breaking it down in, in like really, really high acidic, um, real apple cider, not apple juice, not half and half, but real apple cider. You can also use like Dr. Pepper or something, but you cook it for a good eight hours and then low heat for one more hour. Uh, I mean, yeah. high, low heat for eight hours and then high heat the last hour and it breaks down like a pulled pork and you put it on an onion bun with pickles and cheese like, with barbecue sauce. Like you could feed a whole camp, you know, 30 guys, uh, you know, all of your Canada geese from that morning. So, but yeah, I like to get creative and with that speckle belly fat, we, my buddy, my buddy in California taught me how to render it down and I just freeze about maybe a, a gallon, a couple liters of it, at least maybe a gallon of it. And I use it throughout the entire year on different recipes and, and just, you know, take it out of the freezer thaw some out and then put it back in there and it's it, it makes food delicious but i just i've just always wondered um you know how a guy like you that that 
put so much into storytelling. Like, do you, I'm really passionate about cooking too and making it taste good. But I, I agree. Like I like simplicity. I don't, I've never really looked at a cookbook. I've always just kind of went with vision and then threw some stuff together. And, and if it doesn't work, you know, you try something different the next time, but I, I'm cooking wild game probably at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, probably five or six days a week. And I just, I love living off of it. Yeah, we're the same way. We just, that's all. I mean, me, me and my son will eat. We'll eat. Uh, I will, and, you know, if my son's gone or whatever, I'll eat every day. I'll eat some kind of wild game. You know, squirrels, wild turkey, deer, ducks, uh, whatever upland birds we can come by, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just I prefer it. I, I can't hardly eat. I mean, I, I don't want to put anybody down, but I just, I can't eat restaurant food unless they're, unless it's really good, you know. I'd rather have a piece of fried squirrel than a damn ribeye steak myself. I can't argue. You know? I, 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 lucky enough to have been to the South enough times now that, man, I love squirrel. And out here where I live... California, yeah. Nevada, they, you don't, they don't eat them out here. They don't, you never even would hear that out here, but you go down to Louisiana or South Kentucky or somewhere where I've hunted ducks and geese a bunch. And it's just like, they, it's and, and really simple, like just kind of some onion broth or onion soup mix and, and, and frying them or, <clears throat> you know, putting them in a pot on the stove and they just fall off the bone. Now eating a squirrel though, is a lot of work. It's almost like crawfish. You, you gotta, you gotta work hard and to get a little bit of meat, but that meat is so perfect that it's worth the, the effort, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got, you got a good, good little bit of meat on the back legs, but you got to work on them. Uh, well, you got to work on the backs and, the. you know, I mean, I don't throw any of it away. I mean, I end up eating the belly meat and the ribs and all that. But I know some people they won't fool with the ribs and belly meat on a squirrel. But I'm not throwing it away. Man, I love squirrel making me hungry. Do you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> All we've been walking, talking about is is uh, cooking and eating, and so we must be hungry. Yeah, you know, you start. It's almost like going to the supermarket hungry. You shouldn't do that either. You know, going food shopping. If you ever do have, when I listen to when I listen to a song like you know, with John Prime that you did with the victory song and, you know, that just picturing you going to get the groceries in the boat and, and knowing that that does or does not happen. That's like where I don't know how much of your songs are a hundred percent true. Cause last time we talked, you said, well, it was, that one was pretty true, but when I hear that, does that really happen in your life where you'll fire up an outboard and go and get Mountain Dew and some little Debbies? Is that vivid in your head when you're writing that song? Cause you've done it. No, that was actually, uh, that was actually, uh, I think a little motorcycle. Cause I remember my aunt used to have a Honda 125. It was either a 85 or the, you remember those little street bikes, did Honda, you, you probably don't remember, it's about four-year time. But uh, I just pictured that old motorcycle being in a shed somewhere and this boy living at Grandma's house. And, 
Oh, he so when you say on it. when you say a Honda one twenty five, you're talking about an old dirt bike KX one, like a, a R- well, no, not a dirt bike, but uh, I mean, I what I had pictured, I remember a seventy and an eighty because a couple of my friends had them back in the seventies. You know, they were thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, and my aunt, two of my aunts had them when I was a kid. And they were young. They were fairly young, you know. And uh, that's where they came from. I don't know. It might have been a three-wheeler. I don't know. But uh, I didn't really research it that much. But, you know, just he worked on it, got it running, because his rear end was out of his F-250, his old F-250. And so... he needed a little more money to get that running. God dang it. That is so awesome. That, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in the woods, and there's stuff like that all around me. But why does, Still it, is. Why does everybody I talk to, Chris Knight, say the same thing about you? Like, and I, and I know that, you know, I don't need to tell you the celebrities or the stars that – I hear talking, but in the last week I have talked to two new age country music singers that have both had number one hits on traditional country radio, Riley green from Alabama and Travis Denning. Um, Travis Denning like set the record for the longest um, to get to number one, like 60 weeks, 67 weeks or something. This song charted and finally made number one. So I asked Travis Denning, I said, what, is the best country song ever written. And this is on, this is on a podcast recorded. And he says enough rope by Chris Knight. And then we go into Chris Knight and he says, you will never find a better songwriter. Riley green, the day before yesterday came on the podcast. He is a, a new country guy, but he's not bro country. He's, he, he is not, he's unapologetic. He's a hunter, a fisher. He's in Kansas chasing a big buck right now. He just killed a really good whitetail last, uh, three days ago in Nebraska. He says rural route, Brent Cobb, one of the best songwriters in America right now said rural route is the best country song he's ever heard. It made him cry when he watched your life. So I hear all this stuff coming down and we start talking about your lyrics. And I went, I told Riley green, I said, what about the number? What about the first verse of nothing on me? And we started singing it together about the, the, the knife and the old case knife digging out this 22 bullet. And I'm like, don't you think Chris Knight should be a, a script writer, like a movie writer, doesn't he? And, and, and we all agree, like, why, why do you like hearing this stuff, Chris? And do you know how much inspiration that you are giving to the, the top guys in music today that are, that are there? These are my favorites that are writing songs that really hit me like you do. Like Brent Cobb writes songs that I just like get tears in my eyes. And that's the same thing when I just listen, I just listened to the new album that's that I hope wins the Grammy, but your new album has a song on there. And I want to make sure that I named the song right. And I know that I'm scatterbrained right now because I get so giddy talking to you. But the one that you do with Leanne on the new album is, is called Send, Send It On Down. Yeah. I hear these songs, Chris, and you, it, you, you never give out. You've been doing this. You've been 
since 1997 when your self-titled CD came out, and now I'm hoping that this one goes Grammy, that almost daylight, every single song from I'm William Callahan, and then you do Flesh and Blood, which the Highwaymen did, and you do it. I, I want to know, why do you cover that song? And But the first question I have, and I'm sorry for being long-winded, these guys tell me his lyrics mean everything to me. When you write these songs, like you just described on the on the motorcycle, did you really have a three-legged dog that got in a fight and, and lost the tussle with a bear? Did he really come back and he had the grin? Did you really dig a knife, a, a bullet out with a case knife after you broke up a barroom fight? Like these, these, I know they're simple, but when you hear enough rope and you start talk, thinking about these prisoners walking by on the grass and you're happy to be mowing that lawn at the courthouse because the mayor is your boss and what what does it mean and how do you get to them? I, I just like, is enough. Are what are you talking about? If you can, you can't hang yourself, if you ain't got enough rope, like these songs mean so much to so many country music artists today. I, I just, I don't know if you know what your words have done to people. I don't know if you do, or maybe you do, but I, I'm just here to tell you, man, it's, it's freaking amazing what you've done with words. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I had a whole lifetime to write these songs, you know. I mean, I started writing. I had one keeper when I was 27 years old and some near keepers, you know, around that time. And then once I went to Nashville, I was, uh, you know, I was writing better songs and and, you know. It just kind of went on from there, but, you know, I mean, they they come out of life experience one way or the other. I mean, they might not all be, you know, I mean, the song framed, I mean, I got, uh, got into it with a bouncer at a bar when I was 20 years old, you know, (laughs) he was a football player. You know, and he, I got threw out. The cops came and hauled me off, so I had to spend the night in jail down at Bowling Green. But what the cops did was they figured out I was twenty, I was underage, and they went back there and busted the place and shut it down. You know, so you know, me and that bouncer, we didn't get we didn't get along too good anyway. But uh, you know, I mean, you can turn that into getting 10 years in the in the pen you know if you if you're a writer you know it's just that experience you know and uh the cops lights flashing the lumber yard you know yeah but, but then you throw everybody for a loop at the end where you're you're like i was framed i'm innocent like the whole song is telling me this guy's framed and he was innocent and they they're throwing the book at this guy his girl's leaving him she left with another man and then you use this line of even if i did gun him down and i'm like wait a minute what he did oh he was framed by the man and the woman and they framed him to to do this act like the song just is like it's badass like it's it's been around since 97 and the song is so I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if it was, you know, how you get to that point. But like when I hear the end of it, Travis Denning talked about, he's like, Chad, at the end, he literally admits that he gunned this dude down and he made us feel the entire first two verses that he was framed, but he was really framed by the couple. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, I framed 
by the woman or or framed to the point that I, he felt justified doing what he did, you know. God, it's freaking uh, You know, so he says, well, hell, they should have let me go. It was a crime of passion, you know, <laughs> <laughs> temporary insanity. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, freaking genius, though, Chris Knight. Like, genius. Like, okay, the, the, the song that you're probably known in, in my circle the most of is It Ain't Easy Being Me. Um, this is a simple song of a message that, listen, even when you – we have so much pride that we let it get in our way of – Make of keeping the things that are sacred in our life, like this woman's love, we could have done it. We knew what to say, but our foolish pride, which has been written about a lot of times, but you write it in a way that you had to work hard to become an asshole. And it's not easy being you when that is an arrogant statement in another way of saying it like, Hey, look, I'm the best that there is. It ain't easy being this good. Like I've heard people refer to it that way. This song is saying that you've had to work hard. It hasn't been easy to become this much of the, of an a-hole that you would, that you would treat a girl like this, or you would watch her walk away without bringing her back. Even though, you know, you shoot the lights and you curse the dark, like, come on, man, this song has been around forever. It's been done by people um, that don't deliver it like you, but is is that like the the is that your favorite song you've ever written? Is it like the most genius play on words of the sideshow and walking across the bridge and watching it burn and not knowing how you're going to get back? I mean, that song is so genius the way the lyrics play out, but it's such a simple message. And when you listen to it, you can't help but go, "God, I want to be a better person. I know that I can do the make the right moves or the right choices in life." Is does that make sense when I talk like that? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like uh, I've always just kind of observed people that go out of their way to screw their lives up. You know what I mean? Uh I mean, that's where the had work to be the jerk I've come to be. You know, I mean, there's it's like, uh, you know, they're in a good relationship and not good enough for them you know they gotta they gotta screw it up you know i'm gonna cheat on my wife you know ain't nobody gonna find out but guess what she finds out you know and then i don't know i'm gonna take a hit of meth just this one time well you know you end up losing your whole life you know i don't know it's uh, the song is I, I can let's let's uh, just transition into what I said previously about what Travis Denning said. When you listen to the words of Enough Rope, the way that you end the song is this a decision that you make? No, do you know that when you go into the studio that you're not going to repeat the hook? at the end of that song and just leave us going, Oh my God, he just kissed his kids. Good night, made up with his wife in this double wide or single wide trailer. And is this already decided before you go into the studio that you're not going to end the song with the hook again? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I've, I've done that on, uh, at least one other song, but I ended up when I recorded it in the studio, the other one, I, I did put the hook on it, 
because because I was kind of talked into it, but uh, kind of leaving it, want to leave it wide open. But I mean that to me, it just kind of said, you know, I'm gonna get up tomorrow, do the same thing, you know. And it's not that big a deal, you know. It's life. So, can you describe to me the 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 wording of "you can't hang yourself if you ain't got enough rope"? If you don't have enough in life, if you just stay simple and you kiss your wife and make up to her when it's time to make up and kiss your kids goodnight, even though you weren't there to put them to bed, you were down to the tavern and you're drinking, but you're gonna kiss them goodnight. Is it just is it just the simplicity of life, or it it, it doesn't have anything to do with actually hanging yourself, right? Right. Yeah, it's yeah, I was asked one night at the merch table, man. You know. He he heard that song. He's like, You okay, man? It's you know, <laughs> man, it sounds like hanging yourself. And now no, it sounds not about hanging myself and summer seventy five isn't about me being born in seventy five. You know. It was just about falling in love. Yeah. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah. And the other song I was talking about was Won't Look Back. It's, uh, the, the chorus goes, won't look, I won't look back. Uh, I, I guess that's about it. It's just a refrain. And I didn't, I never repeated it when I'd play it. Uh, you know, uh, live. I never repeated that last refrain. I just left it at. Uh, uh, don't, you know, don't know why I called you. Just wanted to explain. Anybody come looking for me? You never heard the name. Guess I should have known, girl. When I walked out on you, uh, you're about the only good thing that I'll ever do. And he's not saying he won't look back. He's not looking back. But I did put won't look back in there. Doesn't matter. I play it any way I want to, though. And with, with that being on the new album... And it being talked about in Grammy and, and there's, and there's, you know, there's ramblings, you never know what's going to happen, but do you consider almost daylight a great body of work when you're done with it and it comes out and all of it goes to press and media PR, it's out to the public. Do you know that that's got the Chris Knight like approval? Like, have you been that way with every album to, that, and that's why every album hits the the listener the way that it does because Chris Knight did not put something out that it was just to put another album out. You knew that Almost Daylight was a legit body of work. Are all of them approved by you of like saying, "Hey, look, this is the best I got right now." Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's about all I can ask for. I mean, I I have to believe in the songs. Not that I'm saying that by believing in them that everybody's going to love them. They're going to be great songs and all that. But 
they got to be solid, pretty solid before I'll even record them. There's not any songs on there that I regret recording. There's been a few back over the years that I thought, I, I don't regret recording them now, and I'm not going to mention which ones, but some of them I just put them out there for the sake of possible commerciality of it or whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, but, but when I look at them, I'm like, you know, these are, these songs are fine. There's, there's nothing on any of these records that, that I'm ashamed of or wish I hadn't put out. <clears throat> are you, are you happy when you, when you sit it sit down right now, Chris Knight, are you happy with the last 25, let's say 25 years since 1995? Do you wish it would have went another route of stardom as far as becoming a bigger radio hit? Because I look at your career as you cannot have a better body of work. Now, I know that there's more, you know, with the George Straits or the Conway Twitties have a long string of hits, Ronnie Millsap, your songs have inspired or hit people to where I know George Strait or Jamie Johnson or some these guys would say Chris Knight writes songs with the best of them. As good as Dean Dillon, when Dean Dillon is accredited with having so many number one radio hits, do you ever look at it and wish that you had that kind of career or do you look at it like this is what I wanted and I'm glad that it went this way of me having this body of work? Um, well, I mean, you mentioned Dean Dillon and, you know, I mean, he's got just tons of great songs and, uh, if I could have written like Dean Dillon, you know, that's what I'd have done. I just stayed home and wrote songs and, you know, made a living doing that. But, you know, I, I realized I need, I had to record them myself, you know with a little coaxing from Frank Liddell who believed in me. And, uh, so, you know, that's, uh, so I'm, I'm still, I'm glad that it went the way that it did, you know, uh, me doing my own songs. I'm not the greatest entertainer. So, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to write a ditty. There's people out there that can write a ditty and make it a number one hit because they're so such good entertainers and, you know, got such good voices and all that, you know. And, uh, but I, I figured if I was going to write songs, I better write some story songs, you know. Because me standing on stage trying to sing a top 40 country song, you know, the way that I do, I don't think would have worked out very well for me. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just not something that I feel like I do very well. I connect with the audiences through my songs, you know, 
and occasionally I'll get, I'll talk more than I play. You know, it's most time on acoustic shows. And it depends a lot on the audience, but as far as getting out there and really getting the crowd revved up when I got, you know, I'm playing a crowded bar or something like that, I don't know how to do that. Are there artists that you hear today, and I want to name two of them, but <laughs> would you go on the road and uh, and join another Kentucky guy, Chris Stapleton? Would you go on the road and join Jamie Johnson, great songwriters, great deliverers of songs, fans of yours guaranteed. Would would that get you fired up to get a phone call of saying, hey, I want Chris Knight on the road with me? Because I think that that would be an amazing show to watch. You and Stapleton at a Kentucky venue maybe or all over the world. Would, would, would you consider going on the road with some of these acts that are fans of yours and have you know big big careers going on right now? Um, yeah, I mean, that'd be a possibility. It's, you know, um, I'm sure I'd give it a try, but I mean, I've, you know, I, I still do it. I mean, I don't prefer to open shows, but, uh, they would open for you, you Chris. Know, they would open for you. <laughs> no. Well, well, great. And then maybe, uh, maybe about one twentieth of their crowd would still be there by the time I play. <laughs> and I would still, I would still put a little money in my pocket. Uh, uh-uh, I'm saying the exact opposite. I'm, I'm not saying that they're on. They, they'd stay for Stapleton and watch him. But if, I'm telling you, man, that when the your library and your career is amazing, and I, I know that we keep our little talk sweet and short. I hope that you'll come on again. What did it mean to you to lose Jerry Jeff Walker this week? You're, you're an honorary Texan. I've seen Jerry Jeff live at least 20 times. I used to go to his birthday party in Austin every year. I saw Jimmy Buffett play with him at the Paramount theater. I went to the broken spoke several times, Lukenbach, um, green hall. You've played all of these, these like iconic venues in Texas. When you hear of Jerry Jeff, I great Gonzo's album. And he wrote Bojangles and, and LA freeway. And, um, don't it make you want to dance? I can name his whole library. I'm a huge fan of JJW. Are you a fan of Jerry Jeff? And we can end this talk by, does it hit you? I know you lost a good friend this year to John with John Prine, and I still want to have that talk because I am a huge fan of John Prine, and I've only been a fan of John Prine the last 12 or 15 years. I discovered him late in life, and I'm so glad that I did. His songwriting is amazing. Um, Angel from Montgomery, amazing song. But did Jerry Jeff influence you? Were you a fan and did his passing hurt you some knowing that you're an honorary Texan? Yeah. You know, I, it, uh, I was always listening to a Jerry Jeff song here and there. And I'd always watch him if I seen him on a songwriter show on TV. Cause they used to have this, you know, every now and then you'd see something. You know, and uh, or something with Texas music or something like that on TV. But uh, I never met him, and uh, I know I knew that he was in that outlaw movement, and I think I even had. The, I'm pretty sure there was an album or two 
that either were his or had him on them when I was a kid around the house. My older brother, he used to buy a bunch of records. And, uh, but, you know, I always liked the song Bojangles. It was a nitty-gritty dirt band uh, version that, you know, was a hit, was a radio hit. So, you know, everybody heard that song. But um, I remember hearing Pissing in the Wind, <laughs> and that was, uh, uh, I thought that was real good, you know. Trashy Women, you know. And did he write Trashy Women, or did Confederate Railroad write that? I think Jerry Jeff wrote that. I'm not 100% sure. Now, I, I could be wrong about that, but. That's an interesting question. I'm pretty sure that Jerry Jeff wrote it. I did meet his son i'd meet him on occasions uh can't remember his first name De so django django yeah that's right yeah yep. and yep. uh but uh so uh yeah I, I liked him he was he was playing I, I haven't heard much about him for a while but uh and I did hear one night that he had been at a terrible show that I did at Shove's Barbecue when I heard that Jerry Jeff was there. I was just like, good Lord. Boy, I wish I had a, why was it wish terrible? Wish I did better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you know, one of them things. I don't know. Every now and then I'd have a bad show. All right, I'm going to ask you the last question as a, in kind of a favor, and don't be afraid to tell me to get lost. Now, wait, one one more thing. You know, Billy Joe died. Oh, Billy now, Joe I, Shaver. Billy Joe Shaver. I knew him. I mean, I I did some shows with him, open one or two, and I was on some festivals and stuff with him, and I always talked to him every time I seen him, and he was, he was always uh, pretty cool, you know. It just I enjoyed being around him, you know. Loved his music. I love you know, his that, music. That's a, uh, yeah, that was a, uh, that was real, that was a hard hit for Texas music, music business in general. 2020 has been hard on. Big time. Music business. <clears throat> there was a, but, there was a time where you were in a room with Brent Cobb and the songwriting didn't match up at one time from the story I heard. And he's since, you know, been writing amazing songs in my opinion. Would you ever consider get, trying it one more time with Brent Cobb? I'm not asking as a favor. That was the wrong way to put it, but I just think it would be pure magic. If you guys would try it again with the style he's writing right now and, and like his new album, keep them on their toes. It's, it's, it's got so much Chris Knight influence on it. Would you ever consider riding with Brent Cobb again? Well, I probably would. I I run into him every now and then. I I I like hanging out with him. You know, if nothing else, we'd hang out and drink beer. You know, I, I, but I would. I would. Yeah, I'd probably definitely do that. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to just maybe put you two in touch again, if you don't mind, because I think it would be amazing. If, if uh, be fine. you don't mind. No, but actually, I thought we wrote a pretty good song. Oh, you did. 
No, yeah, I thought Brett should have recorded it. Well, why didn't he? I don't know. I think he's he He did guy. record it. He did a demo on it. it was, I thought it was damn good. I loved the demo. It was a little, you know, it was just something I wasn't really thinking about when we wrote the song. Uh, I think, but anyway, I'm not going to put him on the spot. <laughs> no. I'm mainly just kidding. No, I'm going to text him. You, and say, you better get this Chris Knight song to me. I want to hear the demo. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a pretty good song. You know, do you have? It, a, it wasn't no commercial country hit or anything, but it might be something I want to dig out. I would like. To, I don't know where that demo he did is, but I'd like to dig it back out. I'm gonna I'm gonna have him dig it out. I'll send it to you if I can find it to you. Okay. And I'd love to do this again. I love talking about your career. I think I think you know what a fan I am of it. And I don't ever want to come across as I'm just sitting here kissing your butt because you're uh, I just think that I just think that I and I'm telling you this and I'll let you go, Chris Knight. I get in my truck and I have about a a twenty seven minute ride to my daughter's school from where I live. And I drive down there every day to pick her up at three 30 and I sit there and I get in my truck and I have this tradition. Now it's not really a tradition. It's just this routine. It's more of a routine of, I listen to th th these four songs by Chris Knight that get me in the mindset that I want to be in when I get my daughter. And when I hear these songs, I think about life. I think about fatherhood. I think about compassion. I think about passion. I think about love, all of the things that go into living a fulfilled life. And I want you to know that that's what's going on across the country while you're training your bird dog or you're cooking a goose breast or you're writing a song or you're digging a 22 bullet out of your thigh with an old case knife. Your songs are hitting people. The guys that are writing songs and putting them on the radio today are in their trucks listening to this library that Chris Knight put out because your songs are freaking amazing and they hit people in so many ways that I just wanted to let you know as we end this that still going on in 2020 Chris Knight songs are tearing people up inside and making them want to be better versions of themselves they're putting things in front of their eyes that make them look at life in different ways they make them look at themselves in different ways evaluate themselves in different ways I'm 40 I just turned 46 two weeks ago and Adam Hood from came out and played my birthday party he came out from Alabama to play my birthday party he talked about you on a podcast of what a genius songwriter you are you can go listen to it today um, your, your songs are, are amazing, Chris and I, I'm humbled to have you on this show. And when I hear your music, man, I just know that this is what country music is. This is what songs are supposed to do to the human soul. So thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you. That was good to hear. Uh, I enjoyed doing the, doing the show and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can meet up face to face sometime. We're going to do it. I promise you, you know, what I really want to do is. I want to get a, a, a signed vinyl by you someday um, to put in my studio wall. It would mean the world to me. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Just uh, we can probably get that done. I'll hit you up on that. I'll uh, I'll let you go for today. Chris Knight, thank you so much for being on the show. And I, I can't wait to do it again. Can't wait to see you live when all this COVID stuff's out of the way. It'd be great. Appreciate it, Chad. Thank you, Chris Knight. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye unbelievable again like uh fanboying over here I almost teared up and uh goosebumps no pun intended i know i'm a goose hunter but 
Um, I literally have a tear in my left eye right now, knowing what his music does to me and, and what it does to people I know and hearing him say that, that he'll write with Brent again, just makes me go good night. What's going to come out of that. Um, he's amazing. He's, he, he mentioned Frank Liddell. Um, I'm in touch with Frank. I'm going to, I can't wait to develop a friendship with Frank and hear stories of his career. He's a, he's a legend and an icon in, in the songwriting and publishing business in Nashville, music city. But anyway, that's Chris Knight. Um, one of my heroes, I'm huge into music and I can't go through a day without listening to the, the artists that you hear on our foul life playlist. Um, and hearing at least, I'm going to say four to seven Chris Knight songs a day. It's the same with Brent Cobb, Adam hood and Drake white and Leith Lofton and Kyle Daniel and Paul McDonald. And I just, I'm, I'm just floored by the talent that's out there and, and the friendships that we've developed with all of these guys. And, to hear Chris come on here and lay it down and, and even talk about his lyrics and his songwriting and his bird dogs and his woodcocks and his rough grouse and his cooking. I mean, it, it fulfills me. I'm hoping that y'all like that. Um, these podcasts are uh, coming from the heart and I'm hoping that you guys and girls enjoy hearing them as we continue to grow this brand of this life ain't for everybody. I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to it. We're going to leave you today with a Chris Knight song. I'm going to go with one that we spoke about on the podcast today. This song right here is called Nothing On Me by Chris Knight. Hope you all enjoy it. I'm Chad Belding. Thank you all for subscribing to This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'll take care. Yeah, times are tough, but they ain't got nothing on me.